Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor. Don't like your odds? Enjoy daily bet boosts on your favourite sports and make your best bet now at betvictor.com. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Chelsea inching forward. This is Roberto Di Matteo and now Dennis Wise. Wise with a cross and Viali. It's the hat-trick for Gianluca Viali. It's Chelsea's sixth on the night. 8-4 on aggregate they lead. Well, it was a patient and measured approach from the home side. And when Dennis Wise swung the crossover right-footed, Viali was waiting. He scored four against Barnsley earlier on in the Premiership this season. It's the second hat-trick of the season. And Gianluca Viali's 10th in all competitions this term. Hello Chelsea supporters, we are back for part two of our special tribute episode for Gianluca Viali. I've got three distinguished guests with me this evening. Mark Nichols, former Chelsea striker who was a teammate of Gianluca Viali's. Addy Maffey, who was the fitness coach for Gianluca Viali in the late 90s. And Dave, who was the photographer slash Chelsea season ticket holder that went to home and away, that travelled to the, especially in the 98 Cup Winners Cup triumph. Gentlemen, before we sort of went um, to depart because my laptop was deciding to play uh, games with me, we were talking about the time when Viali took over from Chelsea, from Rude Hullet. And Adi, you were talking about sort of when you heard the news, what was happening with Rude. And Mark, you know, when in the, in the dressing room, it must have been a huge shock for you guys to know, you know, what the change was going to be. But gentlemen, sort of in your own words, just to sort of reconvene the chat, did you feel when you saw Viali at Harlington or you saw Viali play that you thought he could become a decent coach in the future? Uh, yeah, I, I did. Um, he had all the attributes. Look at the experience he had, um, where he'd played. Um, I thought it was probably a natural progression for him. Um, it affected me quite a bit, really, um, due to the fact that uh, when when Rude was in charge, uh, there, there, there were statements that he made in the paper that I could play in the San Siro tomorrow and not be phased. I, I had a sort of... Uh, a persona about me that that he liked. Um, when Rude went, obviously 
Luca took over and being a roommate mate with him, we go back through the records. If it, it, I didn't really play a lot under Luca, um, but learned a lot off of him, if that makes sense. You know, he had his own views, and it don't matter what what standard of football like we spoke about earlier. If they have their own way about it, and they like you as a player or they don't like you as a player, you see it now. Like like we was chatting about Cucurella, like. He's come in. Graham Potter was the one that sold him, I believe, from Brighton. So he's already on the back foot at Chelsea now. Um, there must have been a reason behind it. But yeah, um, in my view, 100% he was going to become the manager he was. Um, he was a natural progression of where we were going around it earlier with the uh, Italian and the, the side and the discipline and the changing of foods and the changing of training and doing double sessions etc etc I remember training when Alia tell you we were, we were doing single sessions we were coming in at 10 o'clock and we we're back home by sort of like one yeah. uh, when he took over and, and Rude were there they brought in the the double sessions the staying in a hotel and coming back for a session etc etc so um yeah it it was a natural progression for me. It didn't work out for me when he took over. Um, I ended up going out on loan to a couple of places. But what I learned off of him, um, football-wise and, and knowledge and uh, basically the way he carried himself, um, you couldn't ask for any more in my eyes. So, yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I totally agree with, with Nick. The only thing I'll say to that is when you're a player and then you be get given the job of player manager and have to make the decision to leave players out or move players around or play players, it's, it's, I think it can be quite damaging to your relationship with other players. And 100%. he wasn't, Mark, you know, you weren't the only one that, no, that he had problems with once he became a manager. Because he had he had he he had to change his persona because there was a day on game day he had to say right you're playing and you're not mm. and it was difficult for him especially even I think it's even harder when you're actually on the field and you're playing to worry about your own performance and then the performance of everybody else in the team um, so you know it, it was difficult but you can't as I say if you think about the changes that were going on at the time. There were a lot of changes in a lot of different areas. And obviously the, the culmination of all that was the, the winning streak that he went on and yeah. resulting in the eventual qualification for the Champions League. Um, you know, but it, it was, I've always said it was a, a develop. it was a crux time. It was a touch of changing time in Chelsea Football Club at that time. And it was... The, the, the different type of players, the different nationalities were all, con- were all coming together and the club was profiting from the best of it. Um, yeah. And it was I, a, I was on it. Time for Chelsea in, in that, in that uh, era, wasn't it? It was, mm. it was either going to happen or it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and fortunately enough for Chelsea and, and everybody that came through in that time, it happened. And, and now look where it is. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it was the it was the chance, like you say, when you was in as fitness coach and and you, you was kept on as fitness coach, and the whole the whole world at Chelsea became a different world. 
Yeah. Yeah. Can I just say again, thanks to Glenn Oddle that because he brought in Hullet, didn't he? Viali and that that was incredible, wasn't it? Under the days of Hoddle, he changed everything. And sadly, all right, might have been a good thing that he got the England job because we went from strength to strength there under Hullet and Viali. So, you know, we won major trophies and 94 cup final. That was devastating for me. You know what I mean? We lost that at Man United at Wembley, the old Wembley. That was a oh, devastating day. But yeah, we, we just got grew and grew. And then we started bringing in some real quality players in Hullet, uh, Viali, and we, uh, you know, Mark Hughes, uh, watching them players come in were, wow, oh, wait, mind blowing at Arlington. You know, a place like that where you were seeing Rude Hullet and Mark Hughes and Zola and then, uh, Di Matteo, Poet, and then you guys coming in as well, you know what I mean? Watching Mark Nichols come into the first team was great. Watching him come up as a kid, they were, they were fantastic days. And we just grew and grew and grew. And then Roman took over, didn't he? And it, we even got bigger then. And that's where we went on the massive things. So European Cups then. Well, yeah. I was going to say, 1998 was a big year for Chelsea in terms yeah. of with Viali taking over as manager. His first game was the second leg in the League Cup against Arsenal. We managed to beat them comfortably. Di Matteo scored a cracking goal, scored in the Matthew Harding end. And then within weeks of taking the job, he takes Chelsea to Wembley. We win the League Cup. Di Matteo scores as well as Frank Sinclair to beat Middlesbrough 2-0. And again, as you said, Mark, sort of earlier, nothing really changed from when Rude was in charge to... Viali, it didn't seem that there was any downside. It wasn't a case of oh, players are not now performing because we've got our best mate or you know a good teammate of ours becoming the coach. It seemed to have basically just carried on where it left off. Yeah, just yeah. prepared and went forward. It's the snowball effect, isn't it? Like if that snowball's going down the hill, it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger, and that, that that's what it is. Um, and there, there wasn't really uh, any sort of drop-off when he took over. Um, some players' faces fit, some players' faces don't. That's football, that's life. Um, but it was always going to... I could never see it go the other way. Do you know what I mean? It could only... They were only going to look forward. And it was only going to ever progress forward. The, when he took over, it, it was only going to go in one direction in my eyes. And we've already talked before about the great memories of that 98 Cup Winners' Cup run. But even in the semi-final against Vincenza, when we had to come back from, I believe we was 1-0 down at the bridge, Hughes scored that great goal at at the Matthew Arden end. And then Zola with that terrific goal, sending us into, into the final. Gentlemen, obviously, I, I was obviously too young to support Chelsea. At that I was Chelsea fan, but I was too young to remember. At that time, did you still feel that there was a, a huge buzz growing at Chelsea, whereby we've got to a Cup Winners' Cup final? We was becoming basically a cup team in terms of we've won the FA Cup the year before, League Cup already in the in the bag, and v- again because of this, Viali's building something. Did you see a bit of a change in the attitude with Viali and how he? Related to the players because of the fact that we were winning matches in cups. I, I I will say I think the ball started rolling with Glenn Hoddle. Yeah, right. as David okay. said, it started rolling with Glenn Hoddle. Glenn Hoddle brought in players, and I think as that as as Mark has 
talked about the snowball effect has started and it's it started there and you could see through Hullet, through Viali, through all the way and it, it's always got it's got bigger and bigger and bigger and now you can see that, that the club is the way it is at the moment but that that progression was seamless it was continuous all the way through um I just feel like you know there there wasn't as I said I remember when I got the job there was there was one guy at Nottingham Forest and he said I want to do Nottingham Forest and Chelsea and Rude said no you can't do both you got to do one or the other and he chose Nottingham Forest and the history and I and I I got the job and it, it was all sort of fixed and it went on and on and on and then obviously then I thought I was out when Rude got sacked and then he said no I want you to stay on I want you to work with with Antonio Pintus and we want to go on from there and then it, it for me it was just a a natural progression and the players never really the team never really changed it changed maybe on on the edges, but it never really changed the core. The team was the same, and you know it just continued on, and you know it went on to the successes that that Luca had. It went on to the successes that even you know culminated in Mourinho and Di Matteo winning the league and winning the Champions League. It's all part of that progression, and obviously now it's now about staying there and sometimes that's actually harder than getting there um you can see now that the team is has been it's not it's struggling to stay in that at the top whereas maybe going from the bottom all the way up was a little bit more there were so many more progressions going that way so many more steps in the right direction and um you know i think it was a great time. It was a really great time for everybody involved. If you get, if you go on to that, what, what you're saying there, so uh, we were talking about whether there was a transition period, would it have slacked off, this, that and the other, mm. but it just proves what caliber of man that Viali was, that there was no drop-off. No. Yeah. no can, I just, can I just say, I was there in 1983 and we were bottom of the second division and you see the transform of Chelsea Football Club from them days from John Neal for what he done. You know, he was a magnificent manager. And then you see John Ollins come in and we got worse and worse under Ollins. Porterfield came in and then you guys started to slowly come in, you know, and then Hoddle, Bates, but Bates fought Hoddle in and that was it. And then you had Hullet and Viali and wow-wee, that was just unreal. Uh, yeah, it was like being, being the old days in the 70s when we won the FA Cup and the Cup Winners Cup. It was bringing all that back, you know what I mean? It was great, brilliant. But Viali and Hullet, I, I think they were fantastic. I, I was absolutely flabbergasted when Hullet got the sack. I really was. Because I think that's the best football we, we've ever played, I think, under Hullet. I think it was so good, that football. It's funny hearing from a true fan. Yeah. Oh, he, he's so pleased with the way it's developed. And yeah. then talking to people in, and uh, talking to people who were involved in the development of it. Yeah. But I think, you know, the, the spark was started by, by Glenn. And yeah, definitely. That, yeah, that spark is now yeah, definitely. Fire. Yeah, and it's like yeah. it's a fire and it's blazing, and it's just yeah. going to continue to blaze. From Glen to Hullet took yeah. it a further mile, yeah. and he brought in some magnificent, magnificent footballers. Hullet, yeah. And oh my God, what football see. was that? That was you know that yeah. that '97 Cup final, man. That was just unreal, weren't it? We and the yeah. Di Matteo goal. That was got to be one of the best goals ever in our history, isn't it? it I was, was just, yeah. 
I just remember I was, I'd walked all the way around to the bench and he said to me, and Sparky goes, I can't, I forgot my socks. So I had to run all the way back to the dressing room. Oh, you didn't miss it. Socks. And another was running back out of the tunnel. Everyone was going mad. And I was oh, like, Oh, you missed it. What's that? Oh, oh no. no. And then did Mateus put the ball in there. Oh, no. Oh, oh my God. God. We were, by the we time were I got to the bench, I sat down. I'm thinking, we got the whole game to go. Oh, my God. Oh, we were sitting <laughs> by the bench so there weird. in the corner bit. Yeah. Oh, we went absolutely mental that day. Oh, honestly. Mad, mad day that was. Absolutely oh, mad day. Right. We waited so long for that trophy. It was incredible. Oh, God, yeah. Another key point, gentlemen, I wanted to raise with you with 98. And although people do seem, they class it as a friendly, I think it's still very significant in the history of Chelsea Football Club, which all three of you played a, played a part at, especially at Harlington, was when we beat Real Madrid in the UEFA Super Cup. I was there. Now, bearing yeah, in mind, yeah. you know, people sort of say it, you, the Super Cups are friendly. We still beat Real Madrid, who won yeah. the Champions League this yeah. previous season and what a team Poyet, they were Poyet, Poyet scored the winner yeah. and it just seemed that that spell of was from when Viali took over from 98 and we're going to talk about the 99-2000 season in a minute it just seemed that every single sort of stone was being put in place and Chelsea were going up and up and up. Yeah, we didn't have the finances such as like Arsenal or Man United, you know, have had, but we were building something properly. And, and you know, Gianluca brought in some, you know, top names, you know, not players that were past their best or, you know, players that were just coming for Chelsea for a payday. They were, he was bringing in some, you know, top names. People like Marcel Desailly, Albert Ferrer. Later on, he brought in Didier Deschamps, which we'll talk about in, uh, later. But it just seemed that Viali was becoming, you know, used to the job. Was there a you know, Mark? You know, Mark, you, you'll probably know this more than anybody. Was there potential talk within that dressing room in that era about Chelsea potentially mounting a title challenge because of the success we've had in the cups? There was potential talk about maybe putting it into the league and building a side because we also brought in Ed De Hoy as well um, in that period who, who had a good reputation. Melchior as well, sort yeah. of in the late nineties. Mark, was there any sort of talk about Viali could be the guy to you know make a title challenge out of this squad? Uh, when you say talk about about challenging for the title between the players, the players that he brought in were well-class players, they were um, people that you'd want on your side, if you know what I mean. But the calibre of player that he brought in, they would not talk about things like that. So your Marcel Desailles, Frank Leboeuf, et cetera, et cetera, you're talking about players that have played at such a high standard. They wouldn't let that overall what they're doing. You know, if it was a, a few youngsters that were in here, you might have got that. Um, you might have got that in their head, they'd be going, oh, we're, we're title challengers next year. We'll do this, we'll do that. But with the experience that he brought in and the world-class players that he got in, them, them thoughts didn't really come out in the changing room. It was a case right. of, yeah, we're progressing, we're progressing, we're progressing. When we get there, we will get there. But going back to um, the Super Cup, um, so I missed out on the Cup Winners' Cup in the squad, so I didn't get changed, so I missed out. I, I was in and around it for the whole whole way up. And then uh, on the um, 
on the actual final. So I didn't get changed as a picture I saw recently of me in my suit behind celebrating as well. Um, we've also got when they went to the Super Cup, I wasn't in the squad again, but Viali gave me his medal. Wow. wow. So Super Cup medal that I have, he gave me. So that's the type of person you're talking about. The person you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Uh, wow. That's the type of thing you would do. And and that, a lovely guy. Yeah, a that's lovely guy. That's where we're at with how I feel about him. And he he obviously understood that I wasn't in and around it at the time. And he whether or not he fancies me as a player it is regardless. But to walk over to me knowing that I missed out on the obviously both fight well, the final and then obviously going to the super cup. Knowing that I missed out the squad and didn't get changed on either, he had the time and the uh, and uh, and what I call class about him to walk over to me and actually hand it to me and say that's yours. So that's made me go cold, Mark. That's brilliant. What a yeah. man! What a man! But, Absolutely I mean, brilliant. I think that says everything. Yeah, yeah. But going back to whether or not they were going for titles and pushing for winning the league, that you're back me up here, Eddie. Is it not? Yeah. Uh, it wasn't talked about. It was no. just. A natural progression of yeah. when we get there, we get there. It, yeah. it, it weren't a right. case of. Uh, I think for me, it was just about success. Yeah. They just wanted success. Yeah. They just wanted to play well. They wanted to win. They wanted success. It wasn't the objectives weren't talked about. We just wanted yeah. to get there. Yeah. And you could see that by the players just bringing, bringing in Marcel coming in, Albert coming in, Didier coming in. It was just about progressing and being and playing at that top level and success that's all they wanted but I think I think also with him bringing in that that type of player I believe whether it's subconsciously or not or he knew what he was doing to that extent that the players he was bringing in was obviously going to develop the youngsters that were coming through you're not in a a sort of four million you're bringing in world cup winners you're bringing in people that have played at the top level, AC Milan's playing wherever you like. So subconsciously or not, he knew what he was doing in the fact that we were all going to earn off of your Zola, off of your, off of your Di Matteo's, off of your Poyer's as well. So it was sort of like an education, but a disguised education. Yeah. So he's very clever. I remember, I remember a very young John Terry. I was just about to mention that. Just being asked by by Gianluca Vialli to train with the first team. Yeah. I and in the that. first game, he's actually gone over and he smashed Luca's got the ball and he smashed Luca and you know, typical John Terry tackle. Wham. Yeah. And we're all like, oh my God, do you know what I was there? I remember that. I remember <laughs> you know that. what you're doing, John? And yeah. um, that I think that was a day where we knew that this guy is is gonna be something special. Yeah. You know. And in the cold at Arlington, he would turn up in shorts and a T-shirt, John Terry, wouldn't he? Yeah. Mid-December, January, February, it would be minus two or three there. Yeah, He'd still walk out at training with T-shirt and shorts (laughs) He was so hard. He was... I can tell you a few things about John. Oh, my God. Well, Jed Luca gave... So can I, but I won't. (laughs) I was just going to say, gentlemen, Jed Luca gave JT his debut in the League Cup against Aston Villa. Yeah. And he made his Premier League debut coming on as a sub against Southampton on Boxing Day in 98. It's, it's amazing to think that it was Viali giving JT the debut and it was a great touch that JT was there 
in the game against Crystal Palace, you know, showing his it showed his respect. Seeing Gianluca see an eye for a player, you know, it wasn't just him as a footballer or as a coach. He he had his eye on very good talent, and you can see that just not just from you know bringing players in from overseas, but looking at the academy and look giving players like John Terry, Nick Crittington as well. He was, I yep. believe, he was a fullback, wasn't he? He was a young fullback. Yep. I mean, you know, a name from the past. Giving him an opportunity, and also you know, giving Mark Nichols, you know, yourself, Mark, you know. Yeah. Staying in the squad, learning from the likes of Zola, Hughes, yep. um, Kazaragi as well, who came in yep. that summer of 98. I mean, that, that it's, it wasn't just, for example, his own you know, ego, you know, trying to build here. He, 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 was, he was helping a lot of people out as the coach. Yeah, it, it, it's it, like I say... But... Whether it was some subconscious or not, he he knew what he was doing. He he yeah. knew what players were coming through, and this is where we had the conversation at the start, where he would make time for the youngsters. Yeah. He would he would he would be knowledgeable for the youngsters. He would also be able to watch the sessions, and the reserves would have been training um, on the pitch next to him. So even when he finished, if we were still training, yeah. he'd still be a. It's not. He did. He did never not pay attention to no one. So that's why I believe you got your likes of John Terry come come through. Obviously, Jody as well. So mm. you're looking at that era. So he was very attentive to like detail, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And he wanted the youngsters to know that he was watching. You know, it was. Like, I'll stand there, I'll keep an eye on you for a little while in preparation, maybe for when he wanted to become a manager. Uh, it happened to come quicker than he probably wanted, but he already had an idea of what he had around him coming through. And again, that just shows how professional he was. He brought the best out of John Terry because I was there when John Terry was, when he was young, like you, Mark. And I watched him come up from a 14-year-old. Then he went to Forest on loan for six months. And he yeah. wasn't the player he was then. But when he came back, my God, what a different player he was. He was the John Terry we know of this today, you know what I mean? And I don't know if you've seen the video of him at Liverpool today. I put it on my Facebook. Yeah, and he's with all the Chelsea fans today going mental. Yeah, I've seen that. So absolutely seen that. brilliant. Yeah. Uh, he, he, Vialli done wonders with uh, with John Terry. Absolute wonders, yeah. So, yeah, what and a player he turned out to be. To learn from the likes of Marcel Desailly as well, having yeah, him yeah, yeah. learn from a World Cup winner. Yeah. I think that... That, that, all, that all started with Viali. You know, a lot yeah, of people, yeah, yeah, it's all Viali. A lot of yeah. people seem to forget about that, you know, how certain players became who they are today. It all yeah. started from some, all started from somebody. And that yeah, somebody, yeah. thankfully, was Gianluca. Yeah, and you could see John Terry, the tears in his eyes, just dropping the flowers down at Stamford Bridge last week. You know what I mean? Yeah. It meant so much to him. Well, all of us as well. We met up last week, Mark, didn't we? Talking yeah. about it, and we were just, uh, well, with Keith in the pub, you know, we were just devastated. Yeah, we were. All of us were absolutely devastated. And we're sort of going back to the, you know, going from the 99 2000 season, sort of fast forwarding. How big of an influence? Was it for Gianluca to bring someone like Ray Wilkins in 
as coach. Obviously, oh, massive situations with Graham Ricks. Ray Wilkins came in to, to to replace him for you know the short slash long term, but it just seemed that it, that was a great fit for you know, for Gianluca and Ray Wilkins, obviously with the Italian connection as well. Mark, how how good of a how good of a partnership was that on the training field with Ray coming in and you know players learning from not just Gianluca but Ray Wilkins was a fabulous player as well. Yeah, so. If you look at what Luca is, class individual, it is the same as what Ray Wilkins was. <coughs> class individual, um, polite gentleman. Uh, yeah, lovely guy. What's a player? I remember being out on a uh, training ground once and it might have been me and Jody with, with Ray just pinging balls about after training. And um, we'd always it'd be a little bit of banter. And if you, if you struck a good one to Ray and it was about, like four inch off the floor, you'd go, oh, Ray, how's that? And he would ping it back on his weaker foot and say, how's that? You know? <laughs> uh, what so, a player yeah. he was. What a yeah. player he so, was. Yeah. When you go on to how Luca is and how respectful, gentleman, classy, individual he is, as well as the legend of the football, you bring in Ray Wilkins, it is mirror image, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, classy, gentleman. Uh, legend of a footballer, you know, so yeah. that, that and a why, great coach and a yeah. great coach. Wilkins why, was a brilliant coach, but that's why that's what Lucas surrounded himself by. So mm. he su- surrounded himself with people that had the same mentality, had the same vision, you know. So yeah, it was uh, it was a good partnership, but yeah, there's some good memories there. And also the fitness coaches were good as well. Someone called Aidy Maffey. <laughs> and I could see that from previous seasons with managers. We never had coaches like this. We just had the manager and the assistant manager. Not a coach out there. They would do it all. But people like Aidy came in. Fitness, yeah. everything came in, didn't well, they? Well, it seemed a good blend, Warm didn't it? A lot. To have the continental style come into English football and then you'd have AD with his background in athletics and yeah. his way yeah. of doing fitness sessions. It just seemed a great blend. And it seemed that we was the forward-thinking club that a lot of clubs spent years after trying to get to in terms yeah. of the nutrition, the fitness, the training. It just seemed that Chelsea were one of those pioneers in, in that era. And that did, again, fall down to the likes of Hoddle, Hullet and Viali yeah. to start hit, that off I, in the Premier League. You, yeah, you, I, sa- you said it perfectly. I didn't, How uh, we I didn't like have taken on the, the foreign ethos and changed the way. I mean, Premiership football at that time, there were people at the top of it and it changed the whole ball game. Literally, <laughs> literally from the ground upwards. Um, bringing in fitness coaches now, every club has got one. You know, uh, I was a personal trainer at the time, and he just said, We want you to do what we do with our players. That's all he said. And I was like, Yeah, sure, I can do that. Next bit, I know 10 years of Chelsea Football Club, you know, just but that, that, that's that's what it was, and that's how that was part of the progression. That was part of the the steps upwards and to the great club that we have today. And, you know, as we've said so many times, we were very happy to be part of that progression. Um, 
you know, it's and you can look at that, look at it now. And our club is where it is at the moment. Hopefully, we'll, we'll come through this transition a better club for it. Yeah, 100%. I didn't really like the box to boxes after games if I was on the bench. Who prefer. does? <laughs> what no, player no. does enjoy box to boxes, mate? <laughs> come on, seriously. But uh, like, like what you said there, mate, he's um. When it, when it started at Arsenal, obviously under Arsene Wenger, and he started to bring that ethos in, and, and Chelsea yeah. obviously recognised it, they were sort of two steps in front of everybody else. Yeah. And that's why yeah. that snowball effect continued. Yeah. And that's why it progressed as quickly as it did and then yeah. ended where they are now. I mean, yeah. if you think about it, Razor Raddock, Jan Mulby, mm. come on, all big players, but mm. what did they do? They were all in the pub having their pie mash and all, you know, they, they did all that stuff. Whereas Chelsea, you had Dennis Wise, you had, you had, it was all about fitness and eating right and performance. Yeah. And it was all right at the time. And then that, all those ethos have now been, you can see Chelsea were two steps ahead of everybody else. Yeah. You know, when Hoddle was manager and he took the England job, he went up to Bates and said, uh, Arsene Menger, get him from Monaco. He's absolutely brilliant. And Bates, he never went with it, did he? So he, he went on with uh, Luca and uh, Hullet. So in a way, it was a good thing. But I wonder what would happen what might if we'd have got Arsene Menger. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. What might have been. It's interesting. I was going through the 1990-2000 squad and looking at players that Viali brought in. And one name, and again, he was there last week, Mark, and I know he was there. He was, I think he was standing on your side of the pitch at Stamford Bridge. He brought in Carlo Cudicini for yeah, about £100,000. He brought him in. Again, nobody heard of him. You know, it was seemed that he was going to be the backup goalkeeper to Ed DeHoy. What a, you know, looking back, what a signing that was. Again, oh, a real eye for talent. And... You know, again, he he's made his name with Chelsea. He's 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 a Chelsea icon, Carlo, and bringing in people like Didier Deschamps from overseas, and then George Ware, sort of um, in in Jan- January of two thousand. Again, George Ware, who you know, if if any young people are watching this who only know of George Ware. After his footballing exploits, look him up on YouTube. He he was sensational. Yeah. All these but, big names coming in from the influence of Viali and Ray Wilkins. I mean, Christ, it was a fantastic time to be part of Chelsea Football Club in that era. Oh, yeah. But well, I think, you know, if you think about Chelsea, even in English football, it was one of the bigger teams. It actually progressed to be one of the best teams in England. And so you you did have a time that you were, we were attractive and people wanted to come here. George wanted to come here. Um, Didier wanted to come here. And so it was easy to attract big name players from abroad. And then, as I said, then the biggest thing for me is the country, the, the town that you're in. That does make a difference to players. And that, obviously they all wanted to come to London and the biggest team, one of the bigger teams in London, Chelsea Football Club. Chelsea. You know, yeah. if you think about it, in London, you've got <laughs> Arsenal and you've got Chelsea. So, you know, really... You know, think- just looking at, looking at the players he brought in, you know, I've just got a list here. And he even brought in Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank and Good Johnson as well, he brought in as well. You remember yes, that? Yes, that was the sort of the later season. But one player... That was, I, yeah. One player yeah. I did want to uh, 
discuss. Obviously, you know, we've talked about Viali's exploit to the transfer market. One player that perhaps didn't go well was somebody who took his number oh, nine God. shirt from him after Viali decided to you know, concentrate more on the coaching was Chris Sutton. Now, oh, Mark, <laughs> I think you was, Mark, I believe you were still part of that squad when Chris came yeah. in. Yeah. Obviously, Viali did gamble a lot on Chris coming into the club. I think Chelsea spent quite a bit on him to come in because Kaziragi, the year before, had the injury and then had to retire. Was there an element of frustration that things just didn't work out for Chris, knowing that basically he was Viali's replacement as the main sort of Chelsea's number nine? Was there a little bit of a frustration that you saw within the players and Viali? Was there a little bit of uh, look at the end of the day? Uh, people, footballing decisions are made, yeah. So. Uh, at the time, it was obviously right for Chris to, he felt it was right to come. Um, sometimes things don't work out. It, it, that's life in football. There's been plenty of signings and uh, throughout the years gone by, and, and there will be plenty of signings in the future where it just doesn't actually work for that player. Hmm. Um, Bogard. Yeah, they, yeah, oh, yeah. Violi brought both of them in. Bogart, the latest player I've ever seen at Arlington. Yeah, it oh, just don't. Dear. Sometimes it just doesn't work out. And frustrations from uh, uh, the player is, is obviously going to be frustrated. He wanted to come in and smashing goals and, and, and become that focal point and, and the number nine. And obviously with Viali signing him, he obviously thought that that was the focal point, the number nine. He's going to come in and smash goals in for me and, and be what I want him to be. But sometimes it just doesn't work. It's going to happen in the future. It's happened in the past. And it happened like now, but it's just the way it is. There's no frustration uh, at the club at the time from anybody. It it just happens, and like anybody, I tell you, I tell you, it's not. It's life. Life yeah. in football. There's been plenty of moves, and we all know about these moves where people go, "Oh, what a signing that be? What a signing that be?" And it just don't fit. It, it, I, it, I was just going to say to that. I think Kazaragi was going to be the man. And I think him breaking his leg and retiring yeah. forced the the whole club to go, oh, we need to get somebody else. You need to get another nine. Where are we going to get another nine? Another, another number nine from. And Chris was playing really well with Blackburn. So Chris mm. came. And as you said, it didn't quite work out. You mm. know, but Chris's mentality when he came to the club was, yeah, I'm going to bang in goals. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue what I was doing at Blackburn in a, in a better team with yeah. better players. That's what he was thinking. And, and as you said, that's life. It's, this is life, how it works out. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. And I think for Chris, it didn't. Yeah, and, I, and, I, I fully agree with that. He did, mm. he did turn up and go, he don't, you don't become a bad player overnight. No, you don't. So it, at the end of the day, the, the system might not have suited him. The, oh, <laughs> as it could be anything. Uh, the same thing at Blackburn, you know, mm. uh, he might at times he was possibly playing as a one up front on his own and being the target man and not getting in the box. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, you're playing with Alan Shearer, so you're like, mm, okay, mm. now you're not. You're playing on your own. Ooh, maybe it's yeah. not so as easy as it was because yeah, Alan's not definitely. around. Spot you know, so it's a completely yeah. different ball game where he is now, and mm. obviously at Chelsea it didn't quite work out. Um, you know, but not that he didn't think it was not going to. 
he, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't have thought that when he, when the offer was put on the table for him. He was like, yeah. oh, yeah, definitely. Great chance yeah. for me. Great chance for opportunity to go and do some more. Yeah. Well, he, he scored that goal against Man United, didn't he? At yeah. Stanford Bridge when we won 5-0. And it just seemed that, OK, at that point, things might work out for him a little bit. Yeah, it, was, it was a good goal as well from Sutton. But as you said... Some transfers work out, some some transfers don't. I mean, we we could talk for the next two days about yeah. Chelsea signings that haven't worked out. But what I did want to mention, though, and it was around about this period, and again, you know, one of the great sort of times to be a Chelsea fan was the Champions League season, when it was Chelsea's time to be in the European elite. And Mark, you played actually the in the. Champions League qualifying game in, mm. I believe, um, forgive me, Skonko Riga, I believe that's, yeah. that's the name of it. You know, but again, Chelsea in the Champions League, it wasn't a regular thing back then. You know, this was a, this was a, a huge time for Chelsea and they had somebody as manager in Gianluca who won it a few years ago. They had players in the team that have won it, like Desailly, Didier Deschamps, for example, did it just seem that Chelsea at that stage were made to be part of that European adventure? If you if you look at the players that, that came in and the experience they brought in, they're all they've all done there, been there, seen it, and done it. So it was a natural progression. It was a it was a forward step for the club. So the the aim is where where they are and they've won it, and it, you know that was the natural progression for the club mm-hmm. and. The players and the backing, obviously, with money helps, granted. But Chelsea never wanted to go backwards after Viali. They they didn't go backwards. All they wanted to do was keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. And and it was a natural progression to go forwards. The, they wanted to become that elite side. They wanted to become... It wasn't going to happen overnight. We all know that it wasn't going to happen overnight. Squads take time to be built. You need to gel. You need the right manager. You need a bit of backing. Everybody knows that. But Chelsea were never going to go backwards. They was always going to go forwards. The only thing that they don't want to do is stagnate and become stale and not move. You know, which where I feel they're at at the moment is the transition period. Obviously, Graham Potter wants to get his own players in. Uh, some of the Tuchel players are still there. So it's going to be a transition period, but you still need to move forward. Um, and top four is a minimum. Uh, and and that is what Chelsea fans expect. Um, so that needs to, the ball still needs to roll forward. I just hope it doesn't like stagnate and stay where it is. It has to, it has to keep rolling. But it all, st- it all sort of stemmed with, the culmination of winning the trophies and beating mm-hmm. Madrid and doing well in the league because there was a time where we were beating Liverpool. We uh, we drew, I think there was a game against Manchester United at Old Trafford. We drew one all. Zola dinked it over Schmeichel um, yep. after Man United scored first. So we was doing quite well. When it was, you know, we was going on a nice little run. And then, you know, going up against AC Milan at Stamford Bridge, going up against... Yep. Galatasaray at their place and winning 5 0. You know, it did seem Viali was, you know, had the trick of pretty much everything. And even players, you know, Mark, you, you, you've obviously got um, good friends with them. John Harley came on the scene 
you know, yep. a young guy came came through the youth ranks at Chelsea. He was, player, his, yeah. he was given his debut by Viali, and he scored a, a crucial winner against Leeds United, who were battling for, for, for the championship up in that year. Yep. So it just seemed that it, it did look that Chelsea were building under Viali, and then the culmination. We didn't do that well in the league that season, but we got to another FA Cup final. Yeah. We beat Newcastle in, in the semi-final. We were going against Aston Villa. And, you know, gentlemen, just sort of the memories of that particular era in that particular game, you know, being able to see Chelsea win the FA Cup and being part of that, you know, because at that time, Chelsea did have a, a, a large squad as well. You had players like Kevin Hitchcock that were still there that, although weren't getting games, he was still quite influential in the dressing room and in, in the squad. You know, what are your memories of on that, on that particular occasion when Chelsea, and also it turned out to be the last FA Cup final at the old Wembley? Yeah, I was there. Brilliant. Yeah, very proud. We were, we were, we were, we were close, uh, a close-knit side. We wasn't, uh, there weren't no clicks, there weren't no... Uh, uh, divides in it, so we all had each other's backs. We we knew what was going on there. We we knew that something was going, and it was going to be big. You know, um, granted league positions and and stuff. We did. We never prioritised. We never turned around and said, "Oh, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go with that. We're going to go with this." It was all about the players on the pitch, the squad members, and some of the players that weren't even involved in the squads. You have to have that backing from everybody. Otherwise, there would have been no no team, no push forward, no trophies. And that's where Viali got it right. He got players that wanted to play for him. He got players that wanted to play for each other. And the fighting spirit obviously showed. So, yeah, there was, there, there was never a prioritise of anything. It was the best performances you could put on the pitch at the time with the squad that went out there, subs included. And it... it Good memories they are. They're, they're all good memories. All of the boys uh, singing and dancing and, you know, everything. It's just it's just what it was. Chelsea were going forward and he started it and it's just rolled and rolled and rolled. Addy, what's your memories of sort of that period? Again, when you sort of saw these, you know, star names coming into the Harlington and Viali and Wilkins, you know, working together and you've got Chelsea in the Champions League competing in, in the Premier League as well and then having the you know the FA Cup to look forward to as well. You know, real busy times, but it must have been some fantastic memories in, into that. Uh, memories, yes. I, I would say that, that Chelsea had proven itself to be a, a cup team by winning several trophies along the way and obviously then getting into the Champions League, it was about, OK, we're in the Champions League now, Let's see if we can win. And you can see the progression because it's not something, it's a hard trophy to win. It's not something you're going to win first year. And you can see how it took us quite a few years before it it resulted in that. But you could see that we were winning things. Everything was going really well. Ray Wilkins was brought in. Yeah, Luca, very similar guy, similar attributes. They have great coach. And you could see it was beginning to go in that way and it was preparing to culminate in the, the wing of the Champions League. And we there were several efforts to do that. But 
you can see it just took us time to get further and further and further and further. And the first time it happened, you know, it was in the future. But we 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 set the the stones in the ground before foundations to do that in the future, which is what we've been talking about again. That from from Glenoddle all the way through to Ruhlet to to Viali, it was all part of the progression. And um, as I said, we, we just we were just we were glad to be part of it. Um, everyone was from the playing staff. They were united in the playing staff. New players were brought in. You know, the the, the whole idea, the whole progression was was top class, and we can't we couldn't really complain about how things were going at that time. It was all about baby steps. You can't do what Man City have tried to do. Yeah. They've They've to win the Champions League. They throw money after money after money yeah. after money, and they still don't want it. So yeah. Yeah. it's about having them foundations, like you said, and yeah. putting them baby steps forward. Yeah, there'd be that time where we've got to make a little bit of a leap, but we didn't go leap, 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 leap. We 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 built it up. So yeah, it it, it was it was a good time for Chelsea Football Club. It was a good time for the fans to see where everything was going. And yeah, that's what I think. Of, sorry, I think, David. I was just going to say that summer of two thousand. You know, after winning the FA Cup, you mentioned before. You know, Chelsea brought Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank in, which I believe was um, a, a record signing for uh, at the time. It brought in Ida Good Johnson, a young Ida Good Johnson as well. Mario Melchior um, was starting to get back into the swing of things because he believe he was uh, severely injured the year before and hardly played the season prior, this season he was sort of coming into his own. We beat Manchester United comfortably in the uh, Wembley in the, in the in the charity shield and all things seemed to be rosy, but then all of a sudden results and performances started to get a little bit rocky and there was one game in particular, I think it was at Arsenal at Stamford Bridge, we were 2-0 up, Hasselbank scored and Zola scored, we seemed to be comfortable and then all of a sudden the wheel started to fall off a little bit. And then Silvino, I think, scored that. I still class it as a fluke now. Well, that was a good goal. It seemed like a fluke. But it was that period. It just seemed a little bit things were going wrong. Did you notice anything sort of at that time, gentlemen, sort of with Viali, that things weren't looking so rosy in the garden? For, for me, no. Um <laughs> Managers have a span, don't they, at the moment? And we know we know that the, there isn't a lot of managers in the league that are going 10, 15 years like they used to. So you, you are going to have that dip. You are going to um, have them bad performances and league positions don't show where you should be. Um, but, but again, that's just football. That, that is life. There was nothing behind the scenes saying, oh, my God, he's, he's lost control. He's lost the dressing room he's, he, there was nothing along them lines right as far as concerned anyway you know m- maybe other people think differently but from my own personal view um granted results weren't going our way or performances weren't but there was nothing behind the scenes that would say there's a reason no i, I have to i have to second that i don't think there's Definitely. anything on, on the surface between us the team and everything else that was the indicator of what was going to happen. I think the decision was made by people who 
we don't know. And, you know, the decision to, to get rid of him or whatever, it was out of our hands. But as far as we were concerned as a coaching staff and a playing staff, no, no. Uh, as you right. say, it's life. That's how it goes. People, oh, just flabbergasted like when he went. Yeah. And after a while, you know, things do go wrong. It's just, to me, that was it. And again, I thought I was on my way. And the next minute, I know he, Antonio Pinces is raving to me to Claudio Ranieri's fitness coach. Yeah. And I'm there yeah. again. So, yeah. you know. Strange times, weren't they, lads? Really strange yeah. times. And Claudio, you know, Ranieri came in and they got Roman's money. And, you know, we blew the Champions League final there, didn't we, in Monaco? So we should have gone on to win that one, really. Yeah. Well, that's, so, yeah. That's... Strange times. But I, I just think that the the, the 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 foundations, as Mark said, the foundations were put in, and it, no matter even Roman when Roman came in, he would throw. You might make you might have needed that money at that at the later stage, but Man City can show you they've just come in the cash injection, buy all the best players, but they still can't win the Champions League. Yeah. And I think we we maybe have done it. We did it a different way and. It took us took us longer to do it, but it, we did it the right way. You did it the footballing. Hmm? I always I often think like as a coach, as a manager, bringing in a coach like Ray Wilkins with Viali was fantastic. What a what a team them two were, and then Steve Clark came in as a number two under Mourinho, and I could see that working at Harlington. You know, you boys weren't there when Mourinho came in, but it was absolutely brilliant. But I, I think now this is what Potter's missing. He needs a John Terry in there to just help him out a club's run and how it's done in a bit of bite. You know what I mean? I don't know if you agree with me, Mark. You know, an old boy that knows the club. Yeah, you do. But I believe at the moment, like, like we touched on earlier, I think a lot of it's coming from above at the moment. Yeah, and, yeah. And I, I don't, I, I know this is this is just my opinion, and everybody has an opinion in football, and we all know that. Um, I, I'm not sure what's going on. I don't think. These players are the ones that uh, he wants. No, I he said that today. Yeah, I also don't think that it was the right time for him to go there. I I yeah. think a, a, a few more years or a bit more experience. And yes, definitely you need your John Terry's back there and coach. But the way that Chelsea are going forward is that something that the owners want? Do they want to go a different direction? Nobody knows this because we're not behind the scenes. Yeah. So the owners are turning around and going, well, I don't want any of the ex-players here. The fans obviously do. The ex-players do obviously want to try and be involved and coach like you know that Andy Myers and John Arley are in the academy bringing boys forward. But the new owners might not want that. None of the fans yeah. know. And if if it is a case that they've made a decision already that, we want a fresh slate and we'll go our way, then <laughs> that's what we got. Gianluca yeah. was sacked on the 12th of September of 2000, gents, and we've just touched on sort of at that period where things were getting rocky. Was this a shock to you all when this, when this occurred? And again, you, Mark, you said it beforehand that it didn't seem that anything was wrong in terms of what Viali was doing on the training ground or any issues with players. Do you remember where you guys were when you heard the news and sort of how, how did this sort of affect sort of yourselves sort of going forward in terms of the team or in terms of like individually what was 
what would happen? It, it's obviously always a shock for a manager to go. You know, no, no players are expecting it. As you well know, you, we might be flicking on Sky Sports in 20 minutes and Lampard could have gone. So you don't actually know. I, I, to be honest with you, I don't know where I, what was happening when it was announced. Um, but I, at the time, I was in a sort of uh, situation at the club where I was either going out on loan or I was mm. in the reserves, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, yeah, it, it's always a shock for any player to... Look, like I say, look at the news and he's gone. But there was, it's a sad day, isn't it? You know, it, it's a sad day when Rude Hullick went because yeah. he liked player and I was playing. It's a yeah, sad day. If you're playing under Viali and you're doing well and um, you've just signed a new contract and that manager goes, it's a sad day because now you've got to think, well, hold up a minute, the next manager might not come in and fancy me. So it, it's always... It's always difficult when a manager goes, you know, because you don't know what's coming in. Um, you don't know how things are going to react. You don't know how your career is actually going to go. So, I yeah, think I, the downfall of Viali was bringing in Winston Bogart and Chris Sutton. So, I don't think they were good signings. So they were awful. You know, I used to watch Bogart at Arlington. He used to turn up for 10 minutes, then go home. It, it was just comical. You know what I mean? It was really, really bad. Uh, yeah, I don't know. When you're being paid the money that he was being paid, and he come over, yeah, on the he was on a lot of money, wasn't he? Fifty wow. grand a week he was on, yeah, fifty grand, and he'd turn up at Ireland at Nady. You'd probably see it. He'd be out there for ten minutes, didn't fancy it, and walk off. They couldn't do nothing with him. He mm. was just a complete there idiot. There were rumours that he was injury prone, and he came into Chelsea as a somebody who was picking up injuries freely, and it was a case of, you know, he he, he was basically. Protect, you know, protected himself like he was glass. You know, any sort of touch on him and he'd sort of break down. Was was that true at all? Or again, was it somebody that just didn't... Winston Bogard was not a Luca Viali buy. Winston Bogard was not a Viali buy. He wasn't a Viali buy. Who was it? Um, he was brought into the club. He was a free from right. Barcelona. He was released from Barcelona as a free. And Chelsea decided to pay his wages... They, they, they thought they were getting a a world class player for free. Um, he came in; he wasn't Luca's player, and obviously Luca didn't fancy him. And obviously, once he had the opportunity to play and train, you could see what what Winston was about. Um, obviously, you're picking the team; you're making the decisions who you want to play, represent Chelsea Football Club, and Winston wasn't in it. Um, then Do you think the board I, may have intervened? He, he, with he then decided that if they're paying him this much money, he was one of the few. He one of is one of the few football players. I always say because I used to come from athletics. I always used to say, "Would you, as a player, play football for free?" I would you not get if you were not getting your wages, would you play football? Mm. And that was always the question because as an athlete, you will always run. You're not really worried about the money. You would just run because you you enjoyed athletics. You would do it. Now, there are some players that would do it. No problem. There are some players that wouldn't. And Winston was one of those. If they didn't pay him, he wouldn't want to know. And so when it came to situation and they didn't fancy him, 
he was like, well, okay, fine. I'm taking, I'm getting my money. Oh, I'm not really bothered. So he used to live in Rotterdam, used to fly in on a, on a Sunday, yeah. stay in Harlington, stay in London, Monday, Tuesday. They, he was training with the reserves, training with the youth team. He would shout at them because they didn't know what they were doing. And they were young guys. And, it, and the coach didn't want him shouting at all the guys because he was a disruptive influence. And so Winston ended up training on his own. And Winston then would travel home on a Wednesday because we had a day off. And he'd, or Tuesday night, he'd travel home and he'd go back to Rotterdam and he'd fly back in from Rotterdam on the, on the, on the, on the Wednesday night and he'd be here all weekend. And that's all Winston used to do go backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. And I can say this because I used to, they used to dump him with me because he didn't want to try, they could, they didn't want him being a disruptive influence in the club. They didn't want him to be disruptive influence to the young players, the first team, the reserve team. So they just used to go, okay. We're, we're just going to leave you over there. We'll pay you your money and then you can go. Because Winston was that type of player. Why was he disruptive, Aidy? Tell me that. Why was he disruptive? It was disruptive, okay. So, so, for instance, if a young player made the wrong decision, yeah. instead of being encouraging to that player and tell him yeah. this is what you need to do, he'd shout. Yeah. yeah. And he'd be, he'd be disruptive. He'd be dis- he would destroy young players rather than encourage young players. Yeah. And he wouldn't be the type of person that would give. He was always destroying everybody around him. Instead of thinking about, I want you to get better, it's no, it's about me. A bully. <laughs> exactly, and yeah. it, so they didn't want him. They didn't want him around. But they, so they, they had to pay him because he'd sign on the dotted line. The club had signed on the dotted line. So they had to pay him. But he wasn't, as I said, I always used to ask that question. Would you pay for, would you play for free? And some would, some wouldn't. And he was one who didn't. And he and was on a long contract money, as well. Off he, went. He, was, he was on a long contract. I believe it was like, when he yeah. signed at the Two time. Years. It was like a four-year deal, wasn't it? Was it a four-year four? deal? I believe it was a four-year deal. I think it was four years. Maybe yeah. a four-year deal. Because yeah. he wasn't a free, because he was a free from Barcelona, this is why it was such a long day. I think he played, I don't know how many games he played for Chelsea. I can find out for you now. I've got the actual Because Bates brought him in then, not not Viali. No, yeah, well, see see uh, I think it was Colin Hutchinson actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But but he was a free, so it was a good it was a good deal from the club. Mm. For the club, from the club's point of view, what you're getting, you're not having to pay any money up front for it, you're just having to pay his wages. And that's good why team. that's why it was a great business deal. But it was a good deal for him. Point of view, maybe it wasn't so great. No, it was a good deal for him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, he, yeah. <laughs> Winston played 12 times for Chelsea. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not Wait, surprised. That, that's what you call it, yeah. 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 <laughs> you left, think of me, right? He, you think he of left me. in July oh. of 2004. Oh, you no. think I paid th- played thirty two years Sunday league football and I paid three okay. pound a week subs and what he was <laughs> on unbelievable, wasn't it? <laughs> hey, I'm fine. I'm just doing a podcast. Can I call you back? <laughs> All right, I'll call you back in a minute. Bye then. Bye. Yeah, Aidy, you need to tell Winston not to call you while you're doing. <laughs> <a podcast. laughs> He's giving him a drink there. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, Gentlemen, we will, we will we will wrap this up quite shortly. In regards to Gianluca, obviously, you know, he left Chelsea, but he certainly left his mark at the club, which is still ringing true today. And obviously, if we look from away from the football and on to the, you know, Gianluca, the man, he had a small stint at Watford. He, he decided to you know, return to management and he was there at Watford for the season. Unfortunately, he couldn't get Watford back into the first division. He only was there for uh, a season. And then, obviously, he'd done his media duties. He was you know, quite big in, in, in Italy doing his, his media work. And then you hear the news, you know, fast forward to the time when it was announced that Viali was battling cancer for the first time. It was a, quite a bit of a shock to, you know, many people's systems. And you got to a stage where you know we heard that Viali got the all clear, which was you know again great news at the time. He was being treated at the Royal Marsden Hospital in London, and it was just again you know hoping that the worst was going to be behind him. And then he, as you said, we was he was given the all clear. It was April of 2020 from pancreatic cancer, but unfortunately, in the year after. He revealed in an interview that he'd be he'd be diagnosed with the disease for a second time. Obviously, he was lifting his spirits. I there was one memory of him that I have. It was you know the last time I saw him at Chelsea was the tribute to Ray Wilkins. It was the Legends game, Chelsea Legends versus uh, Inter Milan, and Viali was in the dugout. And although he weren't playing, he, you know he looked well at that point, and you know the fans. You know, young and old. You know, I, I was sitting in the west. I was sitting in front row in the West End upper. You know, fans young and old were chanting Viali, chanting these legends' names, and it was it was just fantastic. You know, to 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 see that, and then you know, as recent as a few weeks ago, you saw him. You know, before that, you saw him with Roberto Mancini. You know, Italy winning the European Championship, and Viali's in the dugout. And that smile just, you know, his, his smile would just light up a room and it lit up football pitches even when he was in the dugout, you know, with Roberto Mancini. And I know there was a few people of, you know, a few friends of mine when Italy played England in the final. A lot of them obviously did want England to win, but a lot of them wanted Italy to win because it was Viali. Mm. You know, it was Viali in, in the dugout and they wanted Italy to win because of Viali. And then you saw the photos. The videos of Viali hugging Roberto Mancini when Italy won the European Championship, and you're thinking, we all, you know, we all wanted England to win, but that was a magnificent moment. I thought, oh, I was, yeah, very, very proud, yeah. And that was probably, if you look at his his career from being a player and from coach when he started at Chelsea to that point, that you would we agree, gentlemen, that was probably the pinnacle right there. To you know, to be part of that coaching side to win a European Championships for your country, yeah, we yeah, say was. that was the pinnacle, wasn't it? Yeah, it, oh, it yeah. has to be, doesn't it? Because it, yeah. uh, if you think about it, if that's uh, that is such a moment that is never going to be forgotten by anybody, is it? So um, that that moment touched everybody, you know. Um, and when you look back on it now and we had the tribute and things like that, all, and you go onto your Twitter and your Facebook, 
um, yeah, I, I, I would say that's that's the pinnacle thing for him. Yeah, it, it would have been in my eyes. It would have been anyway. And it was quite fitting. I was just going to say as well. It was quite fitting. That it was at Wembley, knowing that Viali had many memories, yeah. many good memories yeah, at yeah. Wembley. Yeah, yeah, lovely. It was the old, you know, winning trophies at, with Chelsea. Mm. You know, again, I know with the tribute show. Looking back on it now, it's quite fitting, and it's quite, you know. But you can see it. You could see it in his face uh, when you when you got a picture of him and Mancini hugging. You can see it in his face how much it meant. Yeah. So yeah. when you see that picture, it, it tells me that that in his own head that would have been the pinnacle as well. Gotcha. Yeah. So the man was a legend. What about that for a picture of me and Viali at Arlington? You <laughs> see that? Yeah. First day well, training. Have you got it was... a picture of Dave? Hey, you've seen that, mate. You on Facebook, Mark? Get on it, mate. <laughs> you love my old photos. I think Dave's got pictures of himself with every player. I probably have from the good old days at Arlington. It's before <laughs> they signed the contract. It's as soon as they come out of the car and he's like, right, we'll get a picture with you. Right. How much would my photos be worth, honestly? Photos, <laughs> shirts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Madness. But... Okay, question for you. I bet you'd be able to answer it, Dave. Who was the Italian Ryan Giggs? Italian Ryan Giggs? I know this one. Mark, you might know this one because I believe you played a couple of games with him as well, I think. Oh, dear. That stumped. I don't know. Doviali. I might have got him. I think I might have got him. (laughs) We'll have a coup. Go on. (laughs) Huh? You don't know? Don't know. Go on. Uh, I'm disappointed. I thought you would know. Um, what's his name? Gabriel. Oh, you forgot uh, Gabriel Ambrosetti. Ambrosetti. Oh, you're joking. Ambrosetti. Ambrosetti. Oh, hmm? no. Ryan Giggs. <laughs> he, was, he, uh, he was. He was labelled as the Italian He was labelled as the Italian Ryan Giggs from and... Luca by Luca Viali. Really? And he came and he was a disaster. <laughs> yeah, he was. I didn't rate him one bit. <laughs> He was another Winston Bogart. <laughs> oh, not as no. bad as that. Not as no, bad not as bad. that. No, David, you can't say <laughs> things like that. No. But oh, well. we, we, we touched on Viali's great moment at the new Wembley when Italy won it and won the European Championships. And then, Christ, fast forward, you hear sort of November 2021, it was around that time, you hear that the cancer's returned and Gianluca, of course, was taking it more easy. He... he last year that while Italy were doing the World Cup qualifiers he would take a step back from his duties with Italy to carry on with his treatment and if you felt then you know hopefully he would you know, get through it a second time and then <coughs> unfortunately to kick off this year in 2023 we hear the news that Gianluca Bivialli passed away. It was on the 6th of January, 2023. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but again, my God, it's no age. 58. Yeah, yeah I know, I know. And I'm older than him, it's scary. And, <laughs> you know, gents, I mean, again, we've, we've touched on, you know, with Gianluca for the, you know, a, a good good while now on, on this show, even this part. But, you know, this this must have knocked seven bells out of well all, all three of you to to put 
to, to put yeah. mildly, but it, it, yeah. it touched a lot of people. When you hear the stories of people's tributes on, as you said, Mark, earlier about Twitter and Facebook and on Instagram, you know, there was not a bad, you, you heard nobody say a bad word about him. Everybody had great no. memories, great stories of Gianluca, the man, the player, and it, you know, it was just just a real sad, horrible day that was. Yeah, devastating. I think all the words you've used uh, and that we've used in this chat, um, obviously classy, respectful, gentleman, legend of football. You know, you could go on with the superlatives for him. So, um, yeah, it's a sad day for football. It's a sad day for Chelsea fans and football fans around the world in general, you know. Um, No age. um, But I'll... In, in, in my in my view, I'll, I'll always have the memories of uh, being on away trips, uh, watching match of the day on a Saturday night when we've got a game on a Sunday. We're getting a cheese and ham toasty at Art Bar's 10 delivered to the room with a pint of blackcurrant and lemonade. Some people don't see this side of it or never heard these stories, but they they happened and you've only got good memories of him. There's like you say, no, but no bad words said about him. And, uh, it, it, it's all good feelings, you know, it's all, all good memories, good feelings. So yeah, it's a sad day, but what a man, what a legend. Yeah. I always thought we had a, a brilliant relationship with Dennis Wise as well. Don't you at Harlington? And they, them two were best of buddies and, and they played well together, didn't they? And I'll never forget that ball. You know, that Mateo put through to Wisey in the San Siro. I was behind that goal that night. And Viali going mad on the touchline with Ray Wilkins. And now them two are in heaven. You know what I mean? Ray Wilkins and Viali. Yeah, that was a real touching moment for me. And being behind that goal and watching them go mental, you know, it, it was what a night that was in the San Siro. What a goal. Uh, and then I think, well, Viali came home to win the Euros in at Wembley. And then he's come home again to Keswick and Chelsea in the Royal Marsden Hotel and passed away. You know, more way to go. Unbelievable. You know, it, oof, I was devastated, but what a way to go. Lovely guy. Lovely guy. I I have my own memories, like everybody else here. Great guy. We've said we've said so many fantastic things about him. Um, everyone has their own memories of the guy, and they're all positive. Um, for me, I got you know, I just it, it was really sad. As my ex-wife actually texted me to tell me, and I was like, I mean, I knew he was ill, I knew he had cancer, but and oh my god, really? Yeah. Um, that's, just, that's a lovely one with Bialy. Yeah, he has got so many photos. Look at do you remember? Do you remember Little Wembley where he used to train? On yes, the Little Wembley. Whenever, whenever we played a cup on final, we'd be trained there, didn't we? Yeah, no, it wasn't. It used to be grass, then it went to AstroTurf. I went to AstroTurf. Okay. Yeah, but that that was a special. Whenever they played at Wembley, they played at Little played Wembley at next yeah. to the school. The very last. And they were great the first, days. Yeah. Yeah, and you knew you were at Wembley when when, yeah. when they played there. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. That, that was a lucky omen, Mark, weren't it? That little pitch. <laughs> <laughs> you used to do the team photos there as well, didn't you? Yeah, it was a lovely, yeah. lovely bit of grass. <laughs> that was better than the other. The pitches at Arlington, then. Yeah, Mick used to look after that. I still see Mick the groundsman quite a bit when I go up there. So he's still there. Yeah, yeah. 
but no, they were lovely times, lovely memories with Hullet. Uh, 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 special memories of, of bringing in Hullet and then Viali coming in and getting that photo and total gentleman, you know, absolutely brilliant. And then you get the likes of LeBeuf coming in and they, they were great days, you know what I mean? And you talk um, about trophy winners, you know, when Vial, when Hullet, uh, not Hullet, LeBeuf won the World Cup, that's all you heard about from him at Ireland. And he come out and used to give it to us about winning the World Cup, but they were great days, great days. And we have to point out as well, you know, by the time this this episode comes out you know the touching tribute that Chelsea gave and also his his former clubs like Sampdoria and Juventus fantastic fantastic you know tributes to him before games Chelsea's I thought was superb you know Mark you you was there with some some of his ex former teammates and players that admired him obviously David you know I I know you was there as well and seeing seeing the crowd chant Viali one more time and you saw the tributes from the shed end and the Matthew Arden end, it just felt fitting and it felt for like a proper a proper goodbye to what a send off it was great to, to yeah, an extraordinary right. man and you know again such a talented footballer that you know we, we've we spoke about it off 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 the record gentlemen you don't get many strikers like that anymore no. Mm. He was up there with the Peter Osgood. There's a statue out there of Osgood. You know what I mean? I watched Osgood as a kid, and he was magnificent. But Viali was up there. He, his first touch as a player was unbelievable. Even you, Mark, you played with him, and his first yeah. touch was unbelievable as a footballer. He, he was yeah. just fantastic footballer. Yeah, great. And as a coach and as a manager as well, brilliant. And as you say, he would go and watch the juniors play after the first team trained, and he'd be there. You know what I mean? It was just brilliant, absolutely brilliant, and a sad loss to us all. Yep. Gentlemen, we're coming to the to near the end. I just want to sort of get you, you know, each of your final thoughts on Jan Luca and how, how you would like to remember him. You know, whether it would be on the pitch, off the pitch, and if you've just sort of got you know one, maybe one to two little stories left that you'd like to share of of the great man before. We close this up. Uh, Ad, we'll 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 start with you, buddy. Uh, how do I say? Special man, special person. The fact that I invited him to my wedding says everything to, about him to me. Oh, that's um, special. Yeah, and you know, he's he's just he's a special guy. Um. Even from a, from a playing point of view, even when he came from Italy, he I remember I think uh, there's an interview where he says, "I just want to be a Chelsea legend," and he is. Yeah. He is, and you know, I wasn't born in I wasn't born in the era of Peter Osgood and so on and so forth. But yeah, he is. He is a Chelsea legend of that time. Yeah. So yeah. for me, is a is is a focal point of. The, the the growth of Chelsea Football Club and he is a legend of Chelsea Football Club. Yeah. And he's been treated as such. Yeah, for me, um I, I put a picture of uh the, the, the tribute on Sunday was uh fitting uh for the man. Um and I've got uh, on my Twitter feed uh the two words that I that I used on that and I think the only two words that I could use was gentleman and legend. Um, that word gets used too often in football now. Uh, people throw it around willy nilly, and 
uh, sometimes I don't think it's uh, the correct word for that person, but legend for that person is a hundred percent true. Yeah. And then I look at giving him Mark Nichols his medal. I think, wow, that really hit me tonight a little bit. Uh, what what a diamond that is! And also wrapping it up when the ball hits the back of the net. That's Viali at Old Trafford. <laughs> that is a fantastic song, isn't it? Yeah. When the ball hits at the back of the net, that's Viali. Fantastic! Fitting. What a day that was. <laughs> yeah. Very very legend. Listeners, thank you very much for taking the time to listen to us for reminisce about an extraordinary gentleman and I'd like to give my personal thanks to my great guests, my distinguished guests who, you know, again, I'm hopeful that we will uh, again chat all things Chelsea further down the road. My thanks to David again, thank, thank you. you very much for your time you know, Addy, again, superb my, my friend, thank you very much for, you know, being part of this great thank chat you. and Thank you to Mark Nichols as well for taking the time out for travelling back from Colchester United's grade <laughs> today. Gentlemen, again, no honestly, problem. from the bottom of my heart, honestly, thank you very much. And this is no this problem. will be a very fitting tribute for the yeah. podcast. And pleasure. Pleasure. It's pleasure. been fantastic. Pleasure. Thanks very much. Appreciate pleasure. it. See you thank later. You. We should all meet up for a beer. <laughs> <laughs> Podcast Network.